This is Amateur Logic, episode 161, for October 15th, 2021. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in amateur radio accessories. And by ICOM. Stay connected remotely and keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. Heard it, worked it, logged it. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic, but a special one tonight. It's our 16th anniversary special. 16 years, Tommy. What do you think? Doesn't seem like a day over 18. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, it, it has flown by, man. It seriously has. Yeah, it, it really has. It's uh, good to be back with you. I'm uh, George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. Hi, Mike. Uh, and who am I? Hi, uh, oh, I'm Peter. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're glad that Peter could join us for a little while tonight to come in and say hello to everyone and give us an update from down under. You know, it's, uh, I don't know how many years you were on the show, Peter, but the majority uh, of them. Uh, yeah, quite a few. Uh, about 11 or 12, yeah. Yeah, 11 well, or 12. yeah. that's the majority. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, it's good to see you. Yeah. It is, it is great to see you guys again as well, although I can always switch on Amateur Logic and uh, see you. I, as you were doing the intros, I was looking at some of the um, snippets from earlier episodes, like from like 16 years ago, and just from thinking to myself, gosh, we all look so young then. It's you because know? <laughs> so, we were. Uh, Tom really, <laughs> yeah, Tom really has uh, has flown. But, uh, yeah, it's great, great to touch base with you guys again and um, – uh, and it's great the show's still going. I mean, it's uh, – uh, I don't know what records it's setting. It probably is setting a record somewhere. But to, if you think about it, to have a show, uh, a, a podcast or vidcast that's been going 16 years is a, an incredible achievement. I don't know how many there are. There's not a lot of us because there weren't many of us doing it back then. No. I, I, know, I think I know of one that was around before we started. It's not a ham yeah. radio one, though. Yeah. And the other thing is the unique, the new. I think personally, I think uh, Amalogic occupies a unique niche in the amateur radio community. Um, there have been other shows that have come and gone, but you know it's still here, which is great. Yeah. Mm. Um. So, well, a lot of things have changed. I don't know how how long have you been gone now, Peter? Is it? Oh, it'd be about three years, I think. Three? That, that would be, yeah. It's oh. hard to, I'd be that busy with other things in the interim that uh, uh, I sort of haven't been counting the days per se. But um, uh, just to give you a quick update on what I've been doing, um, I've been doing a number of courses. I've, I'm semi, semi-retired semi at the moment, 
But um, you recall, I think about oh, be 12 years ago, uh, that I, I did a segment about learning Python online, and which I did. And uh, I, it looks like I might be able to turn that into a career because I'm doing an internship with a company called Infosys at the moment. And uh, yeah, I might actually have a job programming Python, we'll, but we'll wait and see. Well, that's great. I know that's um, it, you've you've had a lot of interest in programming. I'm glad to see that. You know, mm, you're yeah, I'd like to. Um, uh, I, I'd like to extend that a bit further. In fact, go on to learn a bit of C or C sharp, and uh, or C plus plus, and uh, yeah, just to be able to write faster programs. But uh, I've been working on this one program for three years, basically since. Uh, uh, I stopped Abitologic. This one program finds comets in astronomical images. Yeah. And uh, to date, I've found 60, which I believe, and don't quote me on this, but uh, makes me the second highest discoverer of comets in Australia at the moment. So wow. um, I've yet to have that formally confirmed, but, you know, uh, it just shows what you can do with programming. That's awesome. I remember yeah. you doing the segments about that. It's, it's uh, always been kind of fascinating. Mm, yeah, well, that's a, a, another side interest for me, and I've recently bought myself a um, a motorized mountain telescope, so I'm starting to get into astronomy a little bit, which is a very, very interesting and complementary uh, area uh, for uh, as as opposed to uh, amateur radio. Yeah, well, we'll we'll come back with you in just a second here, Peter. I want to mm-hmm. say uh, hello to email and Mike, and see what y'all have been up to for the past month. Doing pretty good down here, George. We had some things. Uh, the weather's awesome. I don't know, you know, up by you guys if it's starting to get milder, but it is definitely down here, and uh, lots of things are happening. Uh, we just had a ham fest for our club, which you'll see a little bit about in the and uh, later on. And uh, that you know, it's been two years since that <laughs> happened, so that's good. Hopefully, things are starting to turn back towards normal, and uh, we'll enjoy the weather. What about up there, Mike? Have things started uh, changing seasonally yet? The uh, the autumn colors are are certainly um, uh, making their way up here, and the uh, leaves. I, I'd say we're we, we haven't peaked yet, but uh, we're getting pretty close. We've had some windy days, so it took a lot of leaves off the trees, and uh, there's still probably a fifty fifty mix between uh, trees that are still green and ones that have turned already. So. Probably got a couple more weeks before it'll it'll peak, and uh, weather's been fantastic. I think it's the warmest October I remember for a long time. In fact, I had to mow the lawn again on the weekend, and uh, I think yesterday it was a little cooler today. But yesterday was uh, 26 degrees Celsius, and I think today was only around 17, 18. But uh, you know, for our for mid October, I'm not complaining. I don't know that the leaves have really changed much here. The grass has changed a little. It hasn't been raining every day, so it's a little, a little yeah. dry. There's some of them have fallen off the trees. I'll probably run my mower tomorrow and chop them up. More. I would, but you see what I've got to do first. <laughs> yeah, I've got to change the rear tires on my mower. Got a whole you shouldn't stop on. doing those burnouts. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how tall all those tires are, but they're dry rotted. I mean, they're just cracks. Yeah. All over the uh, snow. I understand. Walls. I had to change my front one recently. Anytime we're doing a show live, there's a chat room going on as well. If you're watching the live stream, well, you're watching it on YouTube at live.amateurlogic.tv. 
And we're using the YouTube chat these days. It's right there along with the video. And you can pop out the chat and pull it over in a second window if you'd like and, and view it that way. That's the way I'm doing it here. Now, I can't really watch it. I have yet to perfect the art of having my eyes look two different directions. It's a skill. Yeah. It takes practice. So uh, I catch a little bit over in there as we go along, but looks to me like they're having a big time. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching the live stream and you're not in the chat room, you're missing half the fun. Kind of hard to watch the live stream and not be in the chat room now. It is, yeah. And we want to... Uh, I'll just mention we've been plugging away for several months now about this ICOM IC705 uh, portable rig there. And the, uh, what is the AH705? That's the AH705 tuner right here. Yep. And also. I'm just, I'm just watching Emil go like this. Yep. Sorry, also, <laughs> also the MFJ power supply and. Antenna and coax. We're going to be giving that a whole package away a little later in the show this evening, so don't go away. Find out who's going to win that. And before we do that, well, I'll tell you, there's there's something I wanted to mention. You know our buddy uh, Johnny, W5PFR? Mm-hmm. Johnny went down to uh, a ham fest Oh, this past weekend. Uh, did you see him down there, Emil? Yeah, you know, George, I did. I talked to Johnny uh, quite a bit while he was there. He came and stopped by to at the um, Amateur Logic TV table that I had going, and uh, we talked for quite a bit, man. It was uh, it was fun. I was uh, we were setting up the uh, the videos and everything on that pie and talking repeaters and. You know he does he does quite a bit over your way from what I understand. Yeah. So uh, uh, he sounds like he's got quite a repeater set up over there. And we were talking about tower climbing. I think he might be trying to get me up one of those, but that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he's a busy guy around here. Oh yeah, he's been real active in the hobby for a lot of years. I met him like just immediately when I got my license. Mm-hmm. He was licensed just. I don't know, uh, a test session or so before I was. So we've been knowing each other a lot of years. Uh, he he gave me one other picture, Emil, and we want to say congratulations <laughs> to you. We've we've talked about it a little bit, but Peter, you might not know this, but Emil is the ham of the year or amateur of the year for 2021. I actually oh, heard about nice. that, and big congratulations, Emil. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, Louisiana ARRL section uh, was presented mm. to me uh, during that ham fest, in fact. So there's that plaque that's hanging up on the wall over here. Yeah, that's awesome, Emil. Congrats. Did you uh, did you know you were going to get that award, or did it just come out of the blue? So I knew it before the ham fest. The, uh, uh, John Mark Robinson called me, um, uh, the, the leader of the uh, Louisiana section here, and uh, told me about it. And uh, he said, you know, you might want to go to this ham fest. I'm like, well, I'm working that ham fest, so I'll be there. And it's like, okay. He gave me a heads up. (laughs) Okay, no worries. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. That's a a good honor there. We're Mm -hmm. glad to have you on the team here, the award-winning team. Yeah, Yeah, that's two major awards. Major awards. 
It's almost like a leg lamp. Almost <laughs> as good. Yeah, we don't have the full size. We've just got the little short leg lamp ornament, but, you know. One day, one day. we'll graduate up Something to the full to size. For. Well, Peter, <laughs> if it's been three years, it's it's been a while. What else have you been up to down there that, um, you know, maybe um, maybe we haven't talked about yet? Um, well, the only other thing is that we've been in lockdown and still are. We're actually setting a record here. We're in the world's longest lockdown at the moment here in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, we'll be out of that, I expect, in the next week or two, which will be good. Um, but, yeah, it's been a bit of a slog, <laughs> to say the least. Um, aside from that, uh, well, my, my uh, two kids are um, getting to uh, uh, are just finishing high school. Uh, one's got her VCE, or equivalent to high school certificate, year 12, and the other one is just finishing that now, which is which is great. And so there's um, getting them, uh, directing them on to college is uh, the, my key focus at the moment, you know, getting them some good training. And, uh, yeah, aside from that, uh, not, not a great deal otherwise. Um, I, I have been overseas a bit. Uh, I've been to Japan, been to Europe, and, um, yeah, collecting lots of frequent fly points uh, to save up for uh, future trips. So, um, yeah, been, been quite fun. So what are your case counts like there now? Are they higher than they have been throughout? or? Okay, we, this is the situation. We've been through, must be like five or six shorter lock, lockdowns. And um, as a consequence of that, we were actually able to eliminate the virus completely for periods of time, which has been great. And, uh, but the trouble is our latest lockdown, we got onto it early, but notwithstanding that we had a lockdown, the Delta variant was so infectious that case numbers have been rising, rising, rising. We're up to about 2,000 cases a day at the moment. And Melbourne's a city of, what, 5 million people. So it's still a small proportion, but the trajectory is there. And uh, I expect that uh, when we come out of lockdown, those numbers will go higher. But the good news is that we've got a, a pretty high vaccination rate and more people are getting vaccinated every day. So uh, hopefully um, that will curb the growth of any future cases. Anyway, George, I must admit, I'm not that familiar with the prize for, uh, that you were just discussing. So maybe you might want to have a talk about the rather nice set of goodies that you've got for somebody. Well, Tommy, you know more about that rig than me. I know a fair amount about it because it's an ICOM, it's an ICOM HF transceiver. And yeah. You know, if you know how to run one of them these days, you know how to run all of them. But you've got one of these. I do have one. Actually, I have everything that's on this table right here. I had to double check and see if it had my name written on the bottom of it when I got here. Yeah. Because I've got the, basically the same kit. we got the nice IC705 uh, QRP rig, uh, up to 10 watts on uh, external power, but uh, up to 5 on the built-in battery. HF D-Star... FM, it's really, really nice rig. Battery life's really good on it. We got the ICOM AH705 tuner. This is fantastic. If you go look at one of my recent segments, you'll see where I set mine up and did a little bit of testing with it. Uh, great tuner. I, I absolutely love that thing. Works off of two AA batteries or external power if you want to. Um, 
works uh, random wire or it's got a, uh, was that SO238? 239. for uh, PL259 right there if you want to do that. Um, anyway, fantastic. Yeah, and Peter, it uses the same handy talkie battery as a, a lot of the current model of ICOM handy talkies. Yeah, the ID5131. It also there's also a bigger battery that came out uh, about for this radio that's actually a higher capacity. Oh, so really? they've got three batteries okay. now available for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I believe it comes with the middle size one, if I remember right. We've also got the uh, MFJ uh, forty twenty ten and six meter off center fed dipole. I forget the mm-hmm. number. I've got it right here. Yeah. We'll we'll talk more about that when we get ready to give it away, as well as that 30-amp MFJ switching power supply. Yeah, really nice switcher. Yeah, lightweight. Switching power supply, rather. Very nice little supply. We've given these away before um, for, I don't know, the last several years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm using one. Tommy's using one. Yeah, highly recommended. Yeah, great supply. sure. So, Peter, before uh, we cut you loose there, is there anything else um, you'd like to say to us or the audience tonight? Um, yeah, look, just great to, to catch up with you guys again, and uh, congratulations on 16 years. Hopefully it'll continue on and make 20 eventually. And, uh, yeah, look, uh, just stay safe, and um, I hope things uh, move back more to a degree of normality in the future. So 73s, and we'll catch you later. Yeah, it's great to see you. And I meant to give email and Mike an opportunity to, if they had, uh, you know, any questions or anything they wanted to say to you. Okay. I just just wanted to say uh, good day, Peter, and thanks for dropping by. It's been too long. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's been a little while. But, uh, no, I'll be around, and uh, hopefully we'll drop in in the future as well. Thanks, Mike, and thanks, Emil. 73s. 73. Seven three, Peter. Seven three. Definitely great to have him with us this week. Oh, yeah. We asked Jim, and Jim is celebrating his birthday tonight. Oh yeah! And well, so, happy birthday, Jim! Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, Jim! But hopefully, we'll be seeing him uh, again in the near future. Mike, you had a post that uh, well, I don't know if you call it a post. Something you wanted to share with us tonight. You want to tell it's us a little bit about exciting this? exciting news, although I missed out on it uh, myself. Uh, QRP Labs, uh, in case you're not familiar with QRP Labs, Hams, Hans uh, from, in- from the UK has uh, introduced a new kit. He's calling it the QDX, and it's a four-band, five-wide digital transceiver. And it's, it's aimed at uh, users that are, are into the digital modes. And initially, he, I think he put out 450 for sale. And I was about three hours after he, he put them up on the site, and they were all gone three hours later or before. Wow. So I missed out on that. And, of course, with the global part shortage, uh, he's not exactly sure when he'll be able to fill additional orders. But uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting to have a little, uh, little transceiver kit aimed specifically at the digital modes, and it operates on uh, 80, 40, 30, and 20 meters in the uh, digital portions of the bands. Yeah, that's a nice-looking little rig there. It'll be 
interested to hear from people as they start building them. I'll have to ask Joe Eisenberg about that one. I bet he gets in on the early adopter list. Uh, probably so. It lo- looks pretty nice. I checked it out earlier. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, with it being our 16th anniversary, I wanted to share a, a few moments out of the show with you. We didn't go through and do a best of of uh, 16 years worth. I look back, and we did that for the 10th anniversary. I believe it was the 10th. Uh, yeah, I think so. And so we haven't done, like, uh, you know, any clips together in quite a while. And I was thinking, well, the last six years, there's been a, a few projects that I've done that, you know, I, I particularly enjoyed. And mm-hmm. I thought I'd just put together a few of them tonight and just take a look at some of the things that I've done in the past uh, six years here on Amateur Logic. And, you know, kind of if you haven't watched the show before, this will give you an idea of some of the types of things that we do. Some of you may be wondering just how big is a thousand foot tower. This one's pretty big. This is probably one of the best ones around. They're not all nearly this heavy, but stainless makes a good tower. The reason we came here today, though, was to change the battery on a generator. So let's take a look at our little generator. This is a 130 kW Generec generator that runs off propane. We've got a thousand gallon fuel tank over there, so we'll get a pretty decent run time out of it. It's a pretty fair size engine in this thing, but when the battery won't turn it over and it can't crank, it doesn't do you a bit of good. I've only been taking care of this station for a few months, so I would have never let the battery terminals get in that shape right there. You can see they're fairly well corroded. I don't think they're causing a problem, however they eventually will. The problem is the battery is from 2007 and it finally gave up. So we're going to swap that out today and I'm going to show you what I'll do to prevent those from corroding in the future. The first thing we need to do though is clean up those battery terminals. Picked up a can of this battery cleaner from the local auto parts store. We'll use that and do the best we can, then we'll finish up with a wire brush. Now we'll let that soak for a while, then rinse it off. Okay, when we pull that terminal off of there, we want to do it quick. We don't really want a bunch of sparking around there and possibly ignite some of the gases from the battery. So I want to show you how to keep the corrosion off those battery terminals. Get you some grease, actual grease, or just about any kind of thick grease. This says it's marine grease. You cover your battery terminals in that. Then when you put the cables on, you cover the connectors as well. It won't catch corrosion. Okay, we've got a new battery in it now. Let's see if we did any good. One more try. You cut out little pieces of PC board. A lot of people will do it in a square. I cut out some here with a hole punch. And you take these, arrange them where you want them, and then glue them down. Anywhere you need to go to ground, you just solder straight to the PC board. 
There's been a lot of projects built using this method. I've never built one myself, so sooner or later I'm going to have to get around to that. There's another style very similar to Manhattan style. I don't know if it's even got a name yet. This is a rotary spot weld cutter. I got this at Harbor Freight, and I don't remember who told me about this. I wish I did, and I'd give them credit. It sounds like a great idea. What you do is you take the spot weld cutter, put it on the PC board, and then you just drill out the little islands everywhere you need them. Let's take a look at our work. Not too bad. I almost got a little carried away on the first one. Went a little deeper than I needed to. And then I kind of got some here pretty good. A couple of others, I could have gone a little further. All of them, though, have got a good clean break through the PC board there. So none of these are shorted to the PC board. I think I kind of like this. I don't feel like we'd have any problems with this. So you might ask, what is this circuit? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just had a lot of extra parts around, so I thought I would mount something. What if you needed to splice two wires together and you needed the splice to be really strong? The tip we're going to look at here works best with solid wire, but could be done with stranded wire. It's called a lineman splice. First thing you do is strip back a generous portion of insulation and get both wires the same length. We'll lay them end to end like this. And we'll start by wrapping the wire on the left over. The wire on the right will go under or basically like this. And here's our Lankman splice. If it's done properly, this splice is at least as strong as the wire itself. As you pull, it just tightens up. Today I'm going to build something that I've built before, but it's been a lot of years and I found myself in need of one again. It's a pretty simple little project that works really good. I'm going to call it the hula loop. Now, it's actually a shielded loop receiving antenna. It's very simple, very inexpensive to build. The ones I've made before, I built with a couple of pieces of wood made in a cross, and then I just did like a diamond pattern around it. This one, I'm going to use a cheap plastic hula hoop here I got at Walmart. Uh, this one's actually a little too big, so we'll be cutting it down. The parts count is real small. All you need is some three-pair individually shielded audio cable, like Belden 8777. I don't have any 8777, but I do have some 8723 Belden cable. It's got two individually shielded pairs in it. And I'll just take two seven-foot lengths of this, there you can see on the end I've got one red and black pair and then two green and white pairs. And I've put a little mark on the end of one pair there so that I can 
distinguish them from the other. There's my two drain wires. Now what we need to do is feed all of this through our hula hoop or whatever kind of support you want to use. We'll use this diagram right here for connecting them. You can see the red wire goes to the center of the RG59 coax. The other end of the red wire connects to one end of the black wire. And we just keep going around in a circle until we've gone through every conductor. Watch the signal strength meter here on the receiver as I turn the loop. So it does seem to be uh, fairly directional. We can turn it and completely null out the station. You see the lines in the display there? Well, uh, that's not very good. It makes it difficult to read the frequencies and other information on there. And the S meter, is that S7 or is that S3 that we're looking at there? Well, it's kind of hard to tell, isn't it? My friend Wayne, KG5RE, has the same rig with the same problem. Uh, supposedly, it's the display that's used in there. It's mounted to a board with conductive epoxy. And after being in a hot vehicle for a period of time, that epoxy begins to break loose. And uh, different segments uh, go out in the display, as you can see there. It's based on an ILI-9481 display. And I found that those are available from banggood.com uh, currently for only $10.73. I'm going to be using it with uh, Arduino Mega. We'll hook pin 52 of the Arduino to the TX connection on the cat slash linear connector and pin 53 of the Arduino to the RX pin on the connector. And, of course, ground on the Arduino to ground on the connector. That pretty much covers the hardware portion of the project. Of course, I'll want to build some kind of box to mount this into. Now let's look at the software. Now, most of this code is not super complicated, so I'm just going to give you a link here to the file where you can download the code and look at it yourself or actually use it in a project of your own. This display is not as nice as I've seen on radios that come with built-in color displays. However, it does help make this old radio a little more comfortable to operate, especially now that I can read the frequency again. But wait a minute. Hold on, George. Hold on. It's okay that it's not, you know, cheap old man compliant anymore, but let me put my cool factor blinders on because you said 400% cooler. Oh, yes. You'll need those. Okay, hold on. Let me put it. I got it. Okay, go ahead. Last month on Amateur Logic, I built a project using a DTMF decoder board and an Arduino and a couple of relays and a few miscellaneous components. I could send a DTMF pound with a handy talkie, and that would cause one relay to key, and the Arduino would generate a tone, which was transmitted back so that I could get a confirmation on whether I had turned on or turned off the relay. This month, we're going to greatly exceed what I did there, we're using a lot of the same circuitry. All of this on this side remains the same. I've changed everything that's on this side over here and added a little bit to it. The first thing I did was remove the filter circuit that I had on the tone. I no longer have all those capacitors and resistors in there. You can see I've added a 10K pot 
And I've added an LM34 temperature sensor chip here as well. Let's look at the schematic and see exactly what's changed. As I mentioned, everything on this side of the project is the same as it was last month. Go back and review that to learn how all that works and how it's connected. Our changes are, instead of the tone filter that we had over here, now I've got a one microfarad capacitor that's feeding audio into the mic jack. And I've added a 10K ohm pot down here that runs over to a power supply. And if you follow that out, you can see that's going in analog zero of the Arduino there. And I've added this LM34 temperature sensor that is feeding over to A1 analog input on the Arduino. The rest is the same. So what's so different this month? To start with, I'm not using the tones for confirmation anymore. I've got the Arduino using a voice library that's actually giving me vocal feedback on what's going on. And since I've got that extra capability, I decided to add a few more things to the project. The 10K pot here, what this is going to do is measure the power supply voltage for me. I had to knock down that 13 volts to uh, something less than 5 volts that the Arduino could read. A 10K pot worked great for that. And I've added in the LM34 temperature sensor here as another analog input, just feeding 5 volts into it. And it'll give me a readout of the temperature in the room or wherever I position the temperature sensor. I've got a choice of several commands here. If I send a 1... Now, all this is being done with no extra hardware as far as the microcontroller is concerned. The Arduino is generating the voice there as well, so no extra cost for that. If I send a 2... The temperature is 72.26 degrees. And that's about right, 72 degrees in here. If I send a 3... Thirteen point seventy one volts. Pretty close. You know, I, I adjusted the pot there to get that exactly where it needed to be. That's a few things that have been added. What was already there is the star and the pound. Let me send a pound. The machine is on. And of course it turned on our light bulb or any kind of machine we wanted to hook to it. Our star will turn it off. So there we got a few more features now than we had in the previous version. Since I've got the voice feedback, that allowed me to do a little more than uh, I probably would have attempted earlier. It'll give you an over-voltage warning as well. W5JDX warning. The power level is 16.60 volts. What about the temperature sensor? It seems like we could do something pretty cool with that. like to share the code with you, but uh, that's probably going to be a little long to put in a segment here along with everything else. Maybe we'll look at it in the future. Go download it, have a look, do some experimenting yourself.
The first thing we need to do though is clean up those battery terminals. Picked up a can of this battery cleaner from the local auto parts store. We'll use that and do the best we can, then we'll finish up with a wire brush. Now we'll let that soak for a while, then rinse it off. Hey, when we pull that terminal off of there, we want to do it quick. We don't really want a bunch of sparking around there and possibly ignite some of the gases from the battery. So I want to show you how to keep the corrosion off those battery terminals. Get you some grease, axle grease, or just about any kind of thick grease. This says it's marine grease. You cover your battery terminals in that. Then when you put the cables on, you cover the connectors as well. It won't catch corrosion. Okay, we've got a new battery in it now. Let's see if we did any good. One more try. You cut out little pieces of PC board. A lot of people would do it in a square. I cut out some here with a hole punch. And you take these, arrange them where you want them, and then glue them down. Anywhere you need to go to ground, you just solder straight to the PC board. There's been a lot of projects built using this method. I've never built one myself, so sooner or later I'm going to have to get around to that. There's another style very similar to Manhattan style. I don't know if it's even got a name yet. This is a rotary spot weld cutter. I got this at Harbor Freight, and I don't remember who told me about this. I wish I did, and I'd give them credit. It sounds like a great idea. What you do is you take the spot weld cutter, put it on the PC board, and then you just drill out the little items everywhere you need them. Let's take a look at our work. Not too bad. I almost got a little carried away on the first one. Went a little deeper than I needed to. And then I kind of got some here pretty good. A couple others, I could have gone a little further. All of them, though, have got a good clean break through the PC board there. So none of these are shorted to the PC board. I think I kind of like this. I don't feel like we'd have any problems with this. So you might ask, what is this circuit? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just had a lot of extra parts around, so I thought I would mount something. What if you needed to splice two wires together and you needed the splice to be really strong? The tip we're going to look at here works best with solid wire, but could be done with stranded wire. It's called a lineman splice. First thing you do is strip back a generous portion of insulation and get both wires the same length. We'll lay them end to end like this. And we'll start by wrapping the wire on the left over. The wire on the right will go under. Are basically like this. 
And here's our alignment splice. If it's done properly, this splice is at least as strong as the wire itself. As you pull, it just tightens up. Today I'm going to build something that I've built before, but it's been a lot of years and I found myself in need of one again. It's a pretty simple little project that works really good. I'm going to call it the hula loop. Now, it's actually a shielded loop receiving antenna. It's very simple, very inexpensive to build. The ones I've made before, I built with a couple of pieces of wood made in a cross, and then I just did like a diamond pattern around it. This one, I'm going to use a cheap plastic hula hoop here I got at Walmart. Uh, this one's actually a little too big, so we'll be cutting it down. The parts count is real small. All you need is some three-pair individually shielded audio cable, like Belden 8777. I don't have any 8777, but I do have some 8723 Belden cable. It's got two individually shielded pairs in it. And I'll just take two seven-foot lengths of this, there you can see on the end I've got one red and black pair and then two green and white pairs and I've put a little mark on the end of one pair there so that I can distinguish them from the other. There's my two drain wires. Now what we need to do is feed all of this through our hula hoop or whatever kind of support you want to use. We'll use this diagram right here for connecting them. You can see the red wire goes to the center of the RG59 coax, the other end of the red wire connects to one end of the black wire and we just keep going around in a circle until we've gone through every conductor. Watch the signal strength meter here on the receiver as I turn the loop. So it does seem to be uh, fairly directional. We can turn it and completely null out the station. You see the lines in the display there? Well, uh, that's not very good. It makes it difficult to read the frequencies and other information on there. And the S meter, is that S7 or is that S3 that we're looking at there? Well, it's kind of hard to tell, isn't it? My friend Wayne, KG5RE, has the same rig with the same problem. Uh, supposedly, it's the display that's used in there. It's mounted to a board with conductive epoxy. And after being in a hot vehicle for a period of time, that epoxy begins to break loose. And uh, different segments uh, go out in the display, as you can see there. It's based on an ILI9481 display. And I found that those are available from banggood.com uh, currently for only $10.73. I'm going to be using it with uh, Arduino Mega. We'll hook pin 52 of the Arduino to the TX connection on the cat slash linear connector and pin 53 of the Arduino to the RX pin on the connector. And, of course, ground on the Arduino to ground on the connector. That pretty much covers the hardware portion of the project. Of course, I'll want to build some kind of box to mount this into. Now let's look at the software. Now, most of this code is not super complicated, 
So I'm just going to give you a link here to the file where you can download the code and look at it yourself or actually use it in a project of your own. This display is not as nice as I've seen on radios that come with built-in color displays. However, it does help make this old radio a little more comfortable to operate, especially now that I can read the frequency again. But wait a minute. Hold on, George. Hold on. It's okay that it's not, you know, cheap old man compliant anymore, but let me put my cool factor blinders on because you said 400% cooler. Oh, yes. You'll need those. Okay, hold on. Let me put it. I got it. Okay, go ahead. Last month on Amateur Logic, I built a project using a DTMF decoder board and an Arduino and a couple of relays and a few miscellaneous components. I could send a DTMF pound with a handy talkie, and that would cause one relay to key, and the Arduino would generate a tone, which was transmitted back so that I could get a confirmation on whether I had turned on or turned off the relay. This month, we're going to greatly exceed what I did there, we're using a lot of the same circuitry. All of this on this side remains the same. I've changed everything that's on this side over here and added a little bit to it. The first thing I did was remove the filter circuit that I had on the tone. I no longer have all those capacitors and resistors in there. You can see I've added a 10K pot and I've added an LM34 temperature sensor chip here as well. Let's look at the schematic and see exactly what's changed. As I mentioned, everything on this side of the project is the same as it was last month. Go back and review that to learn how all that works and how it's connected. Our changes are, instead of the tone filter that we had over here, now I've got a one microfarad capacitor that's feeding audio into the mic jack. And I've added a 10K ohm pot down here that runs over to a power supply. And if you follow that out, you can see that's going in analog zero of the Arduino there. And I've added this LM34 temperature sensor. That is feeding over to A1 analog input on the Arduino. The rest is the same. So what's so different this month? To start with, I'm not using the tones for confirmation anymore. I've got the Arduino using a voice library that's actually giving me vocal feedback on what's going on. And since I've got that extra capability, I decided to add a few more things to the project. The 10K pot here, what this is going to do is measure the power supply voltage for me. I had to knock down that 13 volts to uh, something less than 5 volts that the Arduino could read. A 10K pot worked great for that. And I've added in the LM34 temperature sensor here as another analog input, just feeding 5 volts into it. And it'll give me a readout of the temperature in the room or wherever I position the temperature sensor. I've got a choice of several commands here. If I send a 1, W5KDX. Now, all this is being done with no extra hardware as far as the microcontroller is concerned. The Arduino is generating the voice there as well, so no extra cost for that. If I send a 2, the temperature is 72.26 degrees. And that's about right, 72 degrees in here. If I send a 3, the power level is 13.71 volts. 13.71 volts. Pretty close. You know, I, I adjusted the pot there to get that exactly where it needed to be. 
That's a few things that have been added. What was already there is the star and the pound. Let me send a pound. The machine is on. And, of course, it turned on our light bulb or any kind of machine we wanted to hook to it. Our star will turn it off. The machine is shut off. So there we got a few more features now than we had in the previous version. Since I've got the voice feedback, that allowed me to do a little more than uh, I probably would have attempted earlier. It'll give you an overvoltage warning as well. What about the temperature sensor? It seems like we could do something pretty cool with that. Danger W5JDX. The radio is on fire. I would like to share the code with you, but uh, that's probably going to be a little long to put in a segment here along with everything else. Maybe we'll look at it in the future. Go download it. Have a look. Do some experimenting yourself. That was one of my favorite projects that George did. And that the uh, the sound quality coming out of their Arduino with, with no analog uh, on that board whatsoever. It sounds pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. It's PWM is, is what they're doing it with. But oh, yeah. I, I don't remember the name of that library. It was, I think it was like, Probably the first speech library that was out there, and it wasn't written for an Arduino, because there weren't any, you know, back when that was written. Yeah, I bet it's in the uh, in the library 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 now, or whatever they called it in the IDE. But uh, there's there's a lot of cool stuff they're constantly adding to it. Yeah, name of that one is Talkie. That's the name of the library there. I'm gonna have to do something else using that. That's just pretty cool for you know chip that cost us a few bucks. Uh -huh. No doubt. You know, I just thought of a project we could do. We we could uh, uh, program one of those up for the cheap old man, and when he gets cost overruns, then alarm will, will sound. You have the relay <laughs> output, a flashing red light with a siren, mm -hmm. and a warning alert, message alert, saying you've exceeded your budget. We could build that into one of those fire chief helmets that has the red revolving <laughs> light on top. I remember those. Yeah. I had and one I used when I was a radio shack at Christmas time. All the grandparents would come in and buy them for their grandkids. Yep. There's no way a parent in the right old mind would buy one of those for their own kid. No, <laughs> that's but that's what grandparents are for. Yeah, that's that right. and drum sets and stuff like that. Yeah, my aunt bought my first drum set for yeah. me. I figure it wasn't your parents. No. It wouldn't. I would never buy my kid a drum set. Hey, well, I did. Uh, it's kind of different. You're I, into it, too. I bought him a guitar, too, and, uh, you know, he's never never had a real job since. Well, I say never had a real job, but he plays music for a living now. Yeah. Never had a real job. Yeah. Okay, uh, Tommy, you had an email you wanted to share. I, I do have an email. This is this email is actually for our other show, Ham College, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I thought I'd share it. This is from Bill, KO4TVH. Uh, he said, I want to thank you very much for creating Ham College. I've been using your episodes as a part of my study regime for my technician exam. Very excited to 
have received my FCC email this morning with my brand new call sign of K04TVH. While I use hamstudy.org quite a bit on your recommendation, I think watching the technician episodes really helped me in being able to retain the information along with the book. Watching you helped me to understand some of the things I was unclear on when referencing the book in the question pool. Thanks again. Now to go over and enter the contest. I need some radio gear to go with my new call sign, Bill, KO4TVH. Well, congrats, Bill. It's always great to hear about another Ham College graduate. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, that's awesome. And good luck with the contest. Yeah, and welcome to the hobby. Yeah, best hobby ever. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment. If space is at a premium in your ham station, then MFJ's got a solution. The MFJ 4230MV Mighty Light is the world's most compact switching power supply, and it includes a meter and adjustable voltage control. At just 5 inches wide by 2.5 inches high and 3 inches deep, it weighs only 3 pounds. It's perfect not only for space-limited installations, but also pack-and-go for field day, de-expeditions, camping, hiking, or on your next business trip or vacation to some faraway place. The MFJ4230MV gives you 25 amps continuously or 30 amp surge at 13.8 volts. A front panel control allows you to vary the voltage anywhere from 4 to 16 volts. Input voltage is selectable between 120 and 240 volts AC at 47 to 63 hertz, so you can use it almost anywhere in the world. The MFJ4230MV Power Supply's front panel meter is selectable for voltage or amps. Excellent 75% efficiency and extra low ripple and noise of less than 100 millivolts make this supply a clean source of power for your rig. Some competing switching power supplies generate objectionable RF hash in your transmitted and received signals, but the SuperClean MFJ Mighty Light supplies meet all FCC Class B regulations. The unit cools by convection and includes a whisper quiet fan and heat sensor that increases the fan speed as necessary to keep things cool. DC output is provided on five-way binding posts, or choose the MFJ4230MVP to include a pair of popular power pole connectors. All MFJ switching power supplies are protected by MFJ's famous, no matter what, one-year limited warranty. Check out the MFJ4230MV and the MFJ4230MVP. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. Thanks, MFJ, for being a sponsor of Amateur Logic. For, I don't know how many years, a lot of years. Yep. Appreciate every one of them. Yep. We do. And we appreciate the prizes we'll be giving away here shortly as well. Now, let's see. Where are we at on the rundown? Oh, Tommy, this is a subject that's near and dear to your heart, I think. I have many. Well, it's this one right here. Yeah. That was kind of, that was kind of stuck in my craw here lately. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck you in your what? My crawl. Oh, okay, crawl. You know what? The, you know about crawls. <laughs> we got crawls down here. Yep. So you want to set it up? Yeah, I um, did a little battery testing uh, recently and uh, found that most of them weren't uh, really making the cut. So anyway, I went through and uh, did some systematic elimination and culled some of them out. As you know, Hurricane Ida just came through this way. 
It was a pretty big storm, caused a lot of damage, a lot of widespread power outage down on the coast. As a matter of fact, they still haven't recovered from it down at uh, New Orleans area. But uh, we're about 150 miles from the coast here. We were forecast to have a lot of trees down, uh, really high winds, a good chance of power outage. So to be prepared, like every good ham, I got my batteries out. I got gas for my generator, checked that and charged my batteries up. Well, when I was charging my batteries up, I was in for a surprise because I'd hooked the charger up to it and it was, most of them were almost immediately showing charge. So that told me something's wrong. I tried to test them and see what the capacity was left in them and didn't have a good way. So I was gonna build something and instead of finding parts, I actually ran across this battery capacity tester. It's a pretty nice little unit, I guess, depending on your definition of nice it uh it handles about 180 watts i think and it'll a constant load you can use it for an electronic load for other tests but came with uh, some alligator leads a usb cable with some alligator leads to plug in right there uh, and a 9 volt power supply and best of all it came with a balfang-esque one sheet instruction manual and it's it's very very poorly written the interface on the thing is is very disappointing there's one button and two knobs for everything and this could be like up to seven clicks of this button to control a function but let's let's take a quick look at it when you power it up the first time it comes up with chinese writing one tap of the button will change the display and there's several displays i, I like this one the best to me it's just a little bit more intuitive, we've got the volts, the amps, watts, amp hours, watt hours, the time it's been running, the temperature of the unit, and then the ohms that we're actually uh, using here for our test. There are two control knobs here. They're, they're uh, rotary encoders. They don't click. Uh, one, top one's a coarse setting, and the bottom one is a fine setting. So you get pretty granular control of it. Let's hook it up to a battery and see. I'm going to be testing these batteries. The ones that I've got here are my little Miati, I don't know how you pronounce that thing, but Miati um, 8 amp hour one that you've seen me use for field day this year with my IC705. That's my favorite battery. I've got this little Hamfest special. Came out of a telephone system uh, battery backup. It's a North Star. 12 amp hour in this B13. It's been a good battery. I paid $20 for the ham fest. And the disappointment is my horror freight. Yeah, I said it right, horror. 35 amp hour solar battery that I got to use for a field day several years ago. It never did really work right, even from the first time I had it, but I didn't have a good way to capacity test it to return it. And so I just kind of kept it. And then my other one that I, probably my most used battery is this little two six volts that I have hooked up in series to make a 12. It's 1.2 amp hours. I use it a lot here for powering little Arduino projects and things like that. Uh, it's been very handy and this one is uh, pretty much a goner as well. But we'll capacity test each one of these and, and take a look at them. So let's go ahead and hook up one of these batteries for this one. We'll just, since this is the closest one, we'll hook this one up first. 
Now when we hook it up, this, this one was recently charged and this is showing 12.8 volts. First of all, you don't really want to over discharge your batteries because you can kill them, even though these are already kind of bad. But there's some settings in this unit that we can adjust. So let's take a look at that. Another click of the button will page you to the next menu or the next page. And this is the menu backlight on. I'm just going to leave it on for the whole time for this test, just to make it a little easier for you to see. One more click limits the voltage. So it's going to set an alarm and shut off if it's over 300 volts, which I'll never get anywhere near that. Not too worried about the over voltage. The next one is the under voltage. This is the one that I'm concerned about. So we want to set this one from my reading, lead acid batteries are considered dead at about 10.5 volts. That's considered flat dead zero. I'm going to go ahead and do that so I get the most out of my capacity test, even though in real life I would never run it that low. So let's go back in. To, to raise it, it's two clicks and then hold it down one, and you can see it counting up. Just keep holding it, and it's, it's really finicky. So when you get near what you want, I would suggest you stop and then go one step at a time. So we'll go to 8, 9, 10.3. Two, two clicks and there we are 10.5 so let's go ahead to the next one we can set the amps the highest amps also and the watts but i'm just going to leave i'm only concerned with the voltage for this test to start our test we want to decide how much current we want to pull from this battery uh, on our test now these are not really designed to deliver high current or high c rates uh, this is a 12 amp hour battery. Now, if we were using like a LiPo or a LifePo, we could probably get the rating. So a 25 amp hour battery, you could typically you can pull at least a 25 amp uh, draw on it for one hour. I'll just pull this one at like two amps. Just out of curiosity, let's check this against my little meter here and see what the voltage shows. If it shows 12.8, my little meter shows 12.89. So that's close. That's close enough. It's, it's fairly accurate, I think. I've done some spot checking with it since I got it, and I, I do see that uh, it's pretty close. So let's go ahead and start our test. If you've already done a test, it'll retain the values from the last time, so you'll need to reset it. To reset it, just hold it down, and, it, and you'll hear it beep, and it, it'll reset to zero. So let's go ahead and do the course adjustment. And you'll see it counting up. It's a little bit slow to respond. Once you get to a half of an amp, the fan comes on. And I'm at one, one and a half, one point six eight. So we'll go to the fine adjustment and and bring it on up to two. You can see we've already had a little voltage drop. Now I want to run the test on this battery and see what capacity I've got left in it. Before you start your test, it's important to turn these two encoders all the way back to the left as far as they'll go. So when you hook it up, you won't get a spark and you won't uh, start your test until you're ready. Now that says two amps. So let's see what we're actually pulling with my little amp meter here. Uh, it says, uh, line on. two amps. So you can see, you can see it's pretty accurate. Now it'll, it'll pull the constant load, which is important for doing your testing all the way through the process. My batteries are in pretty poor shape, so it's, it's really time to replace them. 
my Harbor Freight battery uh, is a 35 amp battery and you can see I only get maybe 10% of that battery's capacity. I'll, I'll probably take that one to the recycle bin. My best battery that I'm most happy about is my little Amazon special here. This has been a good battery so far. Eight amp hours in a small size and it literally weighs weighs almost nothing. Um, but I want to test this and see if I'm actually getting the rated value out of it. Even though they can deliver higher current, to test them, you really want to test them at 0.2C, which would be 1.6 amps. To reset the alarm on this, hold the button down and then put the power in, boot it up, let go, and then double click and hold the button and it resets everything to the factory defaults. And you can see everything's cleared out. If I go through the settings, my low voltage cutoff is reset to zero. Everything is reset to the default settings. Remember me saying you want to set that so you don't over discharge your batteries? Well, these batteries have what's called a BMS, a battery management system in it. And they're supposed to cut themselves off before it damages the batteries. Let's start our 0.2C test. So we have to give it a little bit on the course to get it to start working. And we can adjust it from the bottom as well. We'll let that run and I'll come back with you in a few moments and we'll check it. According to my tester here, he said it took about four hours and 15 minutes, roughly. We got, uh, that's disappointing. I only got 6.76 amp hours out of my eight amp hour battery. It doesn't really surprise me because it was cheap, but now if I discharge at a slower rate, then uh, I'd probably get a little bit more. My other batteries, I did test those at one amp discharge rate. Be sure you test your batteries out and make sure they're going to perform for you in case of an emergency. Uh, it's not really good to have uh, emergency gear and then not be able to power it when you need to. So I hope you guys found it useful. 73. I, I actually already took those batteries and had them recycled, man. I got uh, the one from the telephone system I bought the HamFest. I still got it and my little Amazon battery. And I guess, as you saw, it was a little disappointing. The capacity um, wasn't what it was rated, but it's it's good enough. It ran my radio all day like I wanted it to, and it's light, so it's fine for the price. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty neat device, and that's one of those things I would like to have myself. But Emil... I feel kind of like it's it's like a 3D printer. If you got a buddy that's got one, you don't have to buy one. You, you know anybody that's got one by any chance, George? I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, I'm going to blame you. I, I keep. I, I think I bought the last couple of things from your segments. This might be another one of them. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty neat little thing. The uh, the interface is pretty bad, like I said, and the manual pretty pretty bad. But it does the job, yeah. Which is what counts. Yeah. I had to look and see if it had a Baofeng sticker on the back of it, but it didn't. <laughs> so you know, I think that's probably going to work a little better than that Harbor Freight car battery tester I've got. <laughs> probably so. Yeah. Harbor Freight. That was a good time. <laughs> it's kind what of true. The, uh, what was the capacity of that tester? In terms of uh, ampere hours, uh, well, it'll go up to 180 watts. Um, I mean, well, however many amps based on the voltage. It's not an email, George. This time, instead, uh, at our uh, 
local ham fest i received it well it is an email george it is an email i received an email from kd5 pck scott one of our club members who took a time lapse of the ham fest uh tables and you can see right there at the bottom of the screen closest to the camera that is the amateur logic tv uh uh table that i set up with the pi 400 uh and a few of the things we do here the, there's batteries behind it, the inverters, and uh, my little launch cannon, and all kind of things. So he, I thought that was pretty cool that he took this. I, nobody knew he was doing this, and we, uh, he sent out an email to the club on their uh, distribution list. You can see it clearing out there on Saturday evening. So got to hand it to him. Good job, Scott, and uh, good to see those Hamfests back, back buzzing. Yeah, they were. Man, they were swarming like ants in there. <laughs> <laughs> How many hours was that compressed down from? Do you know? No, you know, I well, I guess it had to be before I left, which was around 2 p.m., and I got there around 7 a.m., and it looks like he got, just from what I saw on my table, because I know what I put there, it looks like he got it close, like almost to maybe 1 p.m. or so, so maybe 7 a.m. Uh, I, I don't know exactly, though. I'm going to have to go figure that out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, speaking of cheap things, which, you know, I know is near and dear to your heart. There's some cheap uh, new tricks in some software that we all use. The, the, the other day I was on the uh, Amateur Logic Sound Check Net every Tuesday with everybody else, and I kept noticing some different icons and different features in the uh, Echo Link software when I was on Jeff's uh, DVMIS forum. So I wanted to look at noticing that there was updates that's been happening from May and early this year to the Echolink software. I wanted to see what they've been changing. Hello, Amateur Logic TV viewers. Uh, most of us have heard of Echolink or used it or became sysops to enhance our uh, systems on the air with internet VoIP systems or accesses. This year, 2021, seems to be the year where lots of updates are happening to Echolink. So if you haven't revisited the Echolink software, take a look at it. Because there's some changes, improvements, new features that have been added to the system. You can get that information, of course, at their website. And if you follow along, you'll note that the uh, latest version is 2.3.121, which works on Windows Vista 7, 8, 8.1, 10, and 11. Looks like they tested it for 11. To find out what's changing and what's new... If you follow along in the what's new link here, you'll wind up at their news, notices, latest features, tips, upgrades, and bugs. So starting a little bit earlier in the year, on in March, uh, there was a feature added to the system where you can actually call CQ via Echo Link as if you were doing so on the air. And the system will pretty much match you up with somebody else who's calling CQ within a selection criteria. We'll, t we'll take a look at that a little bit later. You can call CQ from within the Windows app as well as uh, on my phone. The Android app has it as well. Uh, 
It looks like they also made some changes to the audio subsystems to increase signal-to-noise ratio and audio quality as well. Also, they support more file formats as, as far as what you can play back. For instance, uh, one of our repeaters here in New Orleans area plays the amateur radio newsline files after a net or during a net so that people can get the latest news there because that is one of the things that's allowed to happen on the air in the FCC rules. It looks like they're supporting more playback options, improving sound qualities, and changing the subsystem there for better, better signal-to-noise ratio on the audio side, which is always a good thing to me because some of that can get pretty gritty, grimy sounding all over the air sometimes. So hopefully it lends itself towards that. Uh, those updates were from March and May. In July, it looks like they worked a little bit on the uh, SysOps side for the people who run links to repeaters and repeaters with Echolink capabilities for new interfaces, some new uh, hardware, it looks like. The SysOps mode, you got to register for a call sign, either a link or a repeater, like dash L or dash R and run the actual system in sysop mode to take advantage of these where you're linking up repeaters. Uh, they also enhanced the remote control of that. Uh, most people might not be aware, but there's a built-in web interface to Echo Link when you're in sysop mode so that you can remotely control the link or shut it down if something's happening outside of the rules because uh, that is one of the requirements, right? So they've enhanced that web browser interface that you can publish out in order to get to it remotely. Again, audio improvements, functionality, uh, ads, lots of updates this year. Something probably to check out again and make sure your system and softwares are up to date. Uh, lots of information, of course, at their site. So let's take a look at what where those are in the system. So if you open the standard PC-based Echolink client, You'll see the familiar interface uh, with some updated looking icons, aesthetics, in other words. Same layout, mainly the node types here is where I usually head and go. There was a new before, I'm not sure about it, but it's just showing you what's been added recently. And your favorites, recent talks, QSOs, and recent uh, or search results when you're doing the uh, search. One of the features added, again, was this CQ. So this CQ here, when you click it, will give you a criteria. So you can query, one, the language you speak, I guess, to match languages of who else you'll be paired up with or who see that CQ. And if you want to specify a country there, we're under the uh, the Uniteds, along with the other Uniteds. So you can either put that in the criteria or not. And then you can also select which types of nodes you want to select to. Users, the single users, the dash L's or the links, or the dash R's, the repeaters. I guess if you call in CQ a lot, you can tell it not to uh, reconnect to some of your last QSOs. I think that was set to five before. He must have changed some of that, or I did, one of the two. And then you simply call CQ, and it's going to go out and match you up 
with someone. So that's the, the new feature there, which I thought was rather interesting, coming within or from originating from a VoIP client, but you never know on the other sides or in between where you're going to wind up coming out RF. So that's, that's why they, they're making it to match that. As far as the sounds go, I don't know that I can really say I hear a huge difference so far. Again, maybe that'll be different. And I'm not in sysop mode right now. I'm in the single user mode, but you can see there the, the types of files you can play back if you just so happen to be one of the people's playing it's allowed on the nets. Outside of that, not much is different from what I see just looking at this client. And yeah, that there's the uh, sysop, which you can change to, but you also have to uh, get a another call sign here with a dash L or R in order to use it. Welcome to the Echolink test server. This server records your transmissions and plays them back to help you adjust your transmitted and received audio. Please feel free to connect as often as you like. KE5QKR. KE5QKR. If you go to the help in about, you'll see what version you're on. And also in the help, you can look for updates or have it check for you now. And it'll tell you right off whether or not you need to update or not. Just like most software is doing today. Let's take a look at the phone Android client. Okay, the Echo Link application on the Android also also has the standard features where you can, you know, see all the conferences and log in to all the different conference servers, as well as chat when you're in a QSO and actually send text during a QSO and find people and other stations depending on what type you know links or repeaters or show up by location where you want to find things and they even have the cq function built into the android version as well so these are features that have been added to their clients the softwares on your different devices so check it out you might want to give it another look to see what's been added on uh, this side. So pretty neat stuff. I can't really say that I've heard much of a audio. The audio on the phone app and the uh, computer is always a little bit better to me than when it hits the uh, RF, but that just might be a function of the radio and our conversions and bandwidths, etc., available on different devices. So uh, still very useful, but there have been a lot of updates. And of course my favorite is literally the favorites. I can always get to uh, Jeff's conference server and or Jeff's repeater here when I, I need to jump on the net from my phone instead of uh, uh, the radio through a local repeater or the uh, hotspot. So uh, always good stuff there. I wanna say that the settings also have the version, there you go, app version 176 to see which one you're on. So. Cool stuff. Check it out. There's some, some changes there. Check it out. 73K5QKR. Mm -hmm.
Certifiable email. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I saw some of the changes and I heard some people talking about it, but uh, well, I decided to go look for myself to see what they've been doing, and it looks like they've been busy. Yeah, I noticed a couple of those things in there. Not not all that you did. I didn't really know about the CQ thing. I saw the button, but that's as far as I got with it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nice to see them uh, putting a little development effort back into it, though, because it sat there stale for years and years, uh, did no changes whatsoever. I kind of was wondering if it were going to be dropped. So it's nice to see that it's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- thanks for that, Emil. I mean... I know me as a user, I, I only scratch the surface when it comes to using Echolink. Yeah. There's so much uh, feature, so many features in there and so much capability that I don't even scratch the surface. Yeah, yeah same, it's, same it's, it's got, become a regular because of our uh, sound check nets for me and finding all the links to everything. <laughs> I forgot to mention I, the other Jeffs. We got a cu- couple of Jeffs, right? But the I think the other Jeffs uh, repeater system is on it as well with the Colorado uh, conference or something so i have to add that one to my favorite yeah yeah i like the alarms and i like the uh the favorites for sure and um i did notice a difference in the audio quality from the old uh what was the old 8-bit audio um more more of the background noise i find is gone now that wasn't like it's it's not there anymore whereas it was before so I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that they've gone to a higher bit rate or not. But uh, I know the auto quality is better from that respect. Yeah, I don't think it um, – if if you're in a QSO with somebody that's running an old version that's still 8-bit, it's going to have to, you know, go 8-bit to them. I I read something about that a while back, and I'm not – completely sure I understand where all um, 16-bit audio takes effect in there. Because um, you got to have compatibility with those existing nodes out there. Well, you know right. the best part about it, though, George, from what I noticed? Free? It's what, free. it's free? <laughs> <laughs> you got me. George beat me to it. We were waiting for it. Yep. Wait for it. <laughs> you know, we got kind of gotten where we See some of this coming now, Emil. <laughs> I'm beginning to see a trend here. Sixteen <laughs> years, huh? Yep. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back. I've got a what I think is a really neat tip here that I got from someone recently I want to share with you. And we're going to give away Tommy's radio station. <laughs> ICOM has the base station of your dreams with the IC7851, IC7610, IC9700, and IC7300 STR transceivers. ICOM's amateur radios are top of the line and are the first choice for contesters across the globe. Robust base stations like these cut through pileups letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Stay connected remotely with the RSBA1 app and keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. Heard it, worked it, logged it. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled. With faster processors, high input gain, 
high display resolution, and a cleaner signal, it's truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. Dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and SD memory card slot. The ICOM IC7610 is the SDR Everyham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out the faintest of signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. RF Direct Sampling System, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy, faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. 4.3-inch color touchscreen display, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The ICOM IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Thanks, ICOM, for being a sponsor of Amateur Logic. And, and donating these cool prizes. I've got um, something here. At, uh, it came originally in the form of an email from our friend Chip, K9MIT. Chip. He sent a, an email to me, and I think he sent it to you guys, too, mm-hmm. on a book that you can download in a PDF format. It's called The Computers That Made Britain. And let me just say, I have been reading this, and I thoroughly have been enjoying it. If you're an old computer nerd or got into computers back, oh, say, in the 80s or so, you're really going to like this. It's inside the home computer revolution of the 1980s in Britain, and, of course, here as well, the home computer boom of the 1980s brought with it now iconic machines like the ZX Spectrum, BBC, Micro, and Commodore 64, and those machines would inspire a generation. It's 300 pages. You can purchase it as a hardback, or you can download a PDF at the link shown right here on the screen, and we'll have that in the show notes wiki as well. There are some really great stories in there, and it's not just related to computers in Britain. I mean, we, we know all these computers and had many of them here in the United States as well. I want to say thanks to Chip for sharing that with us. It's been my favorite read here for some time now. Yeah, uh, I I looked at that too. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, Amstrad was mentioned in there a lot. That was my actually my first, uh, used to call it a IBM clone, I think is what the terminology was back in the day. Yeah. That was my first, uh, first one. It had... Two floppy disks in it. 
So I can boot off of one and save all my data on the other one. <laughs> yep. It's pretty Lotus. awesome. I had a laptop like that. Bleeding edge. Yep. Word, word perfect and Lotus, eh, Tommy? Now, this was way back before that, man. <laughs> Probably WordStar. I actually had uh, I had Windows 1 point something, like 1.1 1. 1 or something like that, that booted off of one floppy disk. Wow. Yeah. yeah thank- Which was, at the time, I guess, more or less like an extra gold or Midnight Commander. Yeah. Actually, actually, you booted DOS and then you ran the Win Command run. But yeah. yeah. yeah was shout, no- out, shout out to Chip. Yeah. Uh, I jumped straight to the Commodore Amiga section because I had the 500. That was quite the uh, memory brought back there. So I can't wait to go read the rest of the Commodores in there. Oh, yeah. It, some very interesting stories I did not know, uh, you know, of how they came about the different models and the, the people that working on them and the problems they encounter along the way and let me just say there were some computer brands out there that sold a lot but it's a wonder i mean <laughs> there were really some bugs in some of those uh, 80s computers uh they yeah, didn't talk you know, a lot that was about, like breaking new ground though yeah. back then man there's a lot of information on the cocoa in there too oh yeah yeah so one one was in there called the acorn and i wasn't really familiar with that one myself yeah, I think that company produced the BBC Micro, which I was not real familiar with. I had to do some research on that uh, just to see. You know, there was a BBC Basic that they had, and you can actually download that now for a number of different computers. And I thought about downloading it and playing with it, and then I, I haven't done it. I was thinking, yeah, um you know, the nostalgia didn't outweigh the the the, uh, the the effort. No, because I never saw it the first time around. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to appreciate it then. Yeah, but you know, uh, it's a really cool time right now, man. Because uh, you can revisit a lot of that. There's old emulators out there for a lot of stuff that you can get nowadays. So, it's, oh yeah, uh, it's pretty interesting. I was looking into it and thinking about doing a segment on it, but I've kind of decided against it. Uh, running Windows 10 on my Android phone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to think about that. Well, I didn't either, and I got to looking at what you had to download and put on your phone to do it, and I said, no, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to go there. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder uh, when they come up with some of these things whether or not it's just so you can have bragging rights. Like yeah. why why would any, anybody ever want to run Windows on a on a small screen phone? I did it back did when they, back, well back when they actually had them. I had a Samsung Blackjack uh, ran Windows hmm. and I actually wrote software for it. That's the reason I got it because I could program. Well, we had the pocket PCs. Mm-hmm. I still got mine. Those ran Windows. My yeah. iPad. I've got some at work. Can you believe that? Really? We have some codecs um, that they use for remote broadcast. They they go out and plug a little um, a USB cell phone modem into them, and it's how they get audio back to the station from a remote broadcast. Oh. And some of the older ones we've got actually have a pocket PC built in them as a user interface, and it's got the stylus and the whole nine yards. Oh wow! Well, we we have, where I work, we some of the places have uh, 
scanners. They used mm-hmm. to have windows on them, but they quit doing I don't think they even make that anymore. Now they have, most of them have Android on them. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been promising this giveaway now for several episodes. I think we're going to have to really do it now. I think, yeah, I think we're going to have to do it. Let's just take a final look at these prizes. Yeah, let me double check and make sure this isn't mine with my name scratched yeah. in the bottom of them. So they look just like them. Well, let's look at that rig right there first. That's um, the IC705 from ICOM. It hadn't been on the market for a super long time, but... And this one is not the cardboard version like we had here before. No, this is a real thing. But if you want to trade it for the cardboard version, that would be just fine. <laughs> I will trade you even. Yeah. I would really like to have one. If you've ever seen an IC7300 or any of the new generation of ICOM radios, you'll be right at home with that. It, it's virtually identical, except it's a small portable package. Trying to get it where the glare's not on the screen. Yeah. Yep, it's it's fantastic. You whoever wins, it's going to love it, guaranteed. Yep, software-defined radio, and it is HF, six meters, VHF, and UHF. It's got D-Star built in it as well. Nice little speaker mic. Yeah, and very nice feeling mic too. That's not a. Yeah, it's, a, it's heavy, solid yeah. mic. It's got metal back clip on it. Yep. Real sturdy. Run it off of uh, internal battery, which is actually an ICOM handy talkie battery, or uh, you can get five watts out of that, or external 13.8 volt DC. You can get 10 watts out of it. Uh, boy, what am I leaving out, Tommy? There's so much that that thing does. Yeah, it's got D Star, uh, uh, DR mode, uh, FM. It does FM, HF. Built-in GPS. Yeah, built-in GPS, Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, micro SD card. Yep, on it. micro SD card. Virtually everything you would see in a base station, it's in that rig, and that's all been all mode. So. Yep, it's got the, uh, the speaker mic. Audio comes out of here, but if you want to use the built-in speaker, you can uh, unplug the one jack for that, and the audio will come out of the front instead. Yeah, and the A eight seven zero five auto tuner that uh, plugs right in works great, and it takes a variety of antennas. Yeah, you can hook your uh, your dipoles into it, or you can use long wires, or uh, quite a few antenna choices that are out there these mm-hmm. days. And this covers a very broad range of tuning too. It's not just like yeah, if it's a Four to one, it'll pull it in. No, it'll go way further than yeah. that. Yeah, it it tunes really fast and quiet too. It's got latching relays, so uh, some people are concerned about the two AA batteries that you can power it with. But once it's tuned, the relays are latched, so it's not really using the battery power at that yeah. point. So the batteries last a long time. Yeah. Uh, it also, as I mentioned earlier, you can power it off of thirteen point eight volts DC with this coaxial connector. Yep. And uh, also, we'll sweeten up the package a little bit. We've got a couple other things here from MFJ. Do you happen to have the number on this, Tommy? Yep, I do happen to have it right here. It's the MFJ 2012 Powerlight OCF Dipole Antenna. 
What uh, bands? 40, 20, 10, and 6 meters. And this is a heavy-duty one, too, so this one will take a good bit of power, a lot mm-hmm. more than you're going to get out of the QRP rig. Yep. But this is the same antenna you use at home. It, it is, and uh, it's it's been in, up in the air for, what, five or six years now? And yeah. It's, it's fine. It's pulled up. The uh, the box, uh, I forget what it's made out of, PVC maybe? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it's in the document here. But anyway, it's uh, it's been up there for years and years, and it just keeps on working. It, it works great. Real happy with it. Matter of fact, if something ever did happen to it, I would probably replace it with another one like it. Squirrel-proof wire? Yeah, they wrecked their teeth chewing on that. Yeah, that's copper-clad steel there, so very good. And ceramic insulators as well. Yep. So I can testify to it's a good one. And also, we've got a power supply to go with it. That is the MFJ. Have you got the number there on that, Tommy? I do. It's a MFJ4230MV. And that's a 30-amp switching power supply. They call it a, a Mighty Light because it doesn't it's weigh that much. It, it is Mighty Light. This thing is uh, It's actually smaller than a cigar box. A little bit, a little bit smaller than that. It's got a switchable volt ammeter on the front here, so you can check either one that you want. Variable voltage adjustment there, and this one has the five-way binding post to connect the power out. For the price and the size, it's hard to beat that little power supply right there. We've been using my I've got a version of that. Tommy's yeah, got a version. I've got one sim- very similar to that, too. Real happy with it. Yeah. Hey, George, The um, real quick, the, the chat room is trying to keep us in line here. They they mentioned uh, Bluetooth on the radio side. Yes. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It works with the Bluetooth headset. Uh, we did a video with Ray. You can see it on the ICOM America YouTube page. It shows some of those features. Yep. And the radio... And the tuner that we're giving away here, neither one of these have I taken a screwdriver to. <laughs> it's untampered. Somebody did mention it was untampered yeah, by George. Yeah. <laughs> Let me check that. Yeah, the screws, you, know, you can you, tell the screws you know haven't been saying. undone. So. Yeah. If you can't open it up, you don't own it. It's real-time spectrum scope and waterfall display, touchscreen display. So, you know, if you're used to... Operating an old school radio, you're really going to like the changes. I can oh, tell yeah. this is just killing a mill. It is killing that. <laughs> I'm trying to get it, Mike. It doesn't work. I'm trying to. <laughs> it's just out of reach. <laughs> and you'll probably want to hook the antenna up to the radio. I got the model number for that, too, if you need it. RG8X coax. From MFJ, good heavy duty coax. So, I think we're ready to announce a winner. I don't know. I could keep this for another month. Yeah, is, but I you got, better a, go I got a question. Yeah. What are some of the things you can do over the Wi Fi or Ethernet with it, Tommy? Well, you can actually uh, work digital modes uh, without a wire. 
I, I haven't done that on mine yet, but, but that's going to be coming here pretty soon. Um, you connect it to your network and uh, connect to it like that, or you can make a hot spot out of it. The Bluetooth, you can uh, use a Bluetooth headset for the uh, listen to the audio and for the microphone with it as well. Cool. So you could you could just run FL Digi or whatever you wanted mm-hmm. and just connect right up to it. That is cool. And I assume the Icon's remote software will work with it as well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I haven't tried. I'm sure it will. I yeah. feel I feel confident that it will. Yeah. If it says it in the dock here. Oh yeah, you can uh, Bluetooth. You, there is an app that you can get to remote control the radio with your phone as well. With your phone? Mm-hmm. Remote the radio, um, huh. and you can use the uh, terminal mode in here and connect on D Star with it without an extra hotspot. Yep, I, I did a segment on that as well. Cool. Use the Blue DV software. Neato, thank you. Well. I think we've probably stalled on that one as long as we can, Tommy. You're gonna, it's like ripping the Band-Aid off, man. You're going to have to give it up. I know. <laughs> you know, I've had two or three of those pass through here, and every one of them slipped right through my fingers just like this one is. But I know somebody who's going to be really, really happy. I don't know if he's in the chat room tonight, but... Yeah, I haven't seen him. We did the drawing right before the show started tonight. And this guy, we see him almost every week. Well, we talk to him about every week. Yep, in the Amateurologic Soundcheck Net every Tuesday night. And our winner is Cliff Bowen, WA0JTW. From wow. You guys got to remember that call sign because he's in there every every time. <laughs> Score. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember Cliff. He calls in all the time. Hey, George. Yeah. Why yeah. don't we throw this in, too? You know, that would be the perfect accessory. It's not going to do me any good without the radio. So I'm going <laughs> to give away George's backpack with the radio, too, Cliff. So watch for this as well. If it's not there, give me a ring and I'll let, or shoot me an email. Yep. I'll have to come over here and get it for you. Yeah, we'll ship it with the backpack <laughs> as well because that'll hold the radio, the tuner, your antennas, a sandwich, battery, whatever you need to take. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got an antenna, the radio, my little portable battery, cables to hook it all up, tuner, everything all in here and still got a little bit of room left for yeah. extra stuff. Yeah. I guess we're going to hear it on the uh, the net then, right? I, I would believe. suspect so. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Congratulations, Cliff. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. W-A-0-J-T-W. Yeah, I remember that call sign. He's been in the net, uh, checking into the Amateur Logic Soundcheck net for almost every single one of them since we started, what, 78 nets ago? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's missed me. many. You, you and I are up on on deck for for Tuesday, Mel. All right, we got to come up with some questions. And what the heck is it? Oh, and speaking, what the heck it is is the Amateurologic Soundcheck Net every Tuesday night at eight Central, O one hundred UTC. 
this time of year. Yep. You can check in at Echolink, All-Star, D-Star, DMR using Brandmeister or TGIF, Hamshack Hotline, System Fusion, Wires X, P25, NXDN, M17, wherever. So it's more than just uh, swapping the weather. There's usually a question. Most time it's ham radio related. Uh, something that's usually kind of fun and uh, allows everybody to share some experiences with the rest of the net. So it's, it is a lot of fun. It is. And uh, it's been going It's going strong. Like I said, uh, 78 weeks now, 78 nets, coming up on 79 when the twins over here take over the helm. <laughs> and, uh, so come check it out on Tuesday night. It's, it really is a lot of fun. Yep. It, it's really great to talk to folks rather than just, you know, checking in with their call sign and their location. It's good to hear what people are doing and things like that. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, Tommy, I should have broke out another can of grape juice and the wine glasses for the celebration tonight. Yeah, yeah cantanas are out of style, though. <laughs> there you well, go, sorry. a new cantana. <laughs> yeah, and the last time I tried to buy grape juice, it came in a plastic jug that didn't have the cans. So. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of those big cans anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, what can I say? Thanks, everyone, for 16 years of great audience out there watching Amateur Logic. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be doing it. True. Absolutely. True. So a lot of, lot of encouragement, all the emails and and cool posts and stuff. And uh, anyway. Yeah, we've made a lot of friends over the years just, just oh, yeah. because of doing this show. You know, people... We never would have met uh, otherwise, and events we wouldn't have attended. And, you know. oh, I'll tell you something about it. There's more people who stopped by at the Hamfest table for Amateur Logic TV that knew the show than didn't know the show. Really? <laughs> yeah. So that's neat to see, and and you know they some of them are kind of looking at you, you know, for a minute and like, well, wait, that's you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then they look at the stuff on your table, you know, because I always bring the batteries, the inverters, and the uh, pie, and the little things, you know. And yeah. that's that's what I told them. That's how I started. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, y'all's dry sense of humor and wanting to share everything just dragged me right in, man. Well, you know, it's probably the slow southern drawl was <laughs> an attributing factor as well for you. Yeah, and it can't. It's not all dry humor because I do kind of remember Jimmy jumping in the pool one time, or well, falling true. in, or <laughs> stepping in. Oh. One of those. Now, I remember that was a, classic. A few wet field days as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been fun times, man. Uh, Sixteen years of fun, and I hope we have uh, quite a few more. No, no plans to stop. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Email. Thank you for volunteering and jumping in there with us and and bringing us some uh, cheap old content as well. You know, it's uh, it's been great having you here with us. You know, a lot of people, when I'm, I'm visiting Hamfest and things, yeah, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they ask about the cheap old man. Nice. And, Mike, it's been great having you with us here, too. And, you know, we've oh, known you. I, I still feel like like I'm squatting on the show. It's it's great to sit in and 
and chat and and hear what everybody's doing and all the projects and everything else so thanks very much for having me on it's been, it been a good addition. Appreciate you being with us. Yeah, and all those great Christmas episodes. And, <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah speak, speaking of Christmas, I was thinking about that. Like, November is right around the corner, and I got to get thinking about what the heck we're going to do this year. Yeah, yeah. New, year, New Year's, too. You know, you set the bar mighty high <laughs> <laughs> in years past. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. Every year I say the same thing. It's like, what the heck am I going to do this year? And I always seem to pull a rabbit out of the hat, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running out of uh, new ideas, I think. No, there's a lot more stuff coming out of that hat than rabbits. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Stuffing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, throughout the month, if you'd like to catch up with amateur logic and you know just share some information with other people and get some information from other people we've got a great group of folks that hang out in our social media social media areas uh that is on facebook facebook.com slash group slash amateur logic dot tv or you can follow us yeah we're also on twitter at amateur logic and? and we're we're even on MeWe.com under MeWe.com. Join Amateur Logic TV. And Joe, I ended up with the last one, which is hidden by my Skype bar. I can't even read it. <laughs> no, we're, you know? we're on we're on Groups.io slash G. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. The URL is Groups.io slash G slash Amateur Logic. So join us there. Throughout the month, and we're talking about the what the heck is it pictures that uh, are associated with some of the amateur logic sound check nets. Well, those will be posted at all these places right here. So if you'd like to take your guess at what the heck is it, you can go have a look right there. Also, the amateur logic wiki, amateurlogic.tv slash wiki, is available out there. It's a resource of uh, what's been in the different episodes over all these 16 years, and we have show links as well in there. When we want to know what we did in a particular episode or what episode a particular subject was in. That's where we go. Yeah. So with that, I think uh, we've got a pretty much got a show in the can here. I guess we need to start on the 17th year when we leave here. You know, I hadn't thought about that. I think 17. you're right. Sweet 16's over, huh? Apparently so. Nobody kissed us. You know, it's been a pandemic, so uh, yeah. that was off the table. <laughs> well, before we get out of here, um, I just, again, I want to say thanks to everyone who's watched the shows and, you know, given us uh, good feedback over the years and look forward to seeing you guys in the future here and i don't know what i'm going to be doing for next month but as usual it's going to be something yeah i've actually got my next one about a third of the way done mm -hmm. still got it's uh it's one that's kind of taking a long time to do it's, it's almost like a two-month uh oh, wow. deal so 
I actually started on it right after I finished this other one. In my last segment, I finished about three weeks ago. So any other words of wisdom you want to leave us with tonight? Uh, pull out the choker, it won't crank. Oh, that's a tip. That's Fred, a tip. Fred yeah. Sanford, you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now uh, appreciate everybody watching this many years, and uh, hopefully you'll hang with us uh, quite a few more as we plan to keep it going. Email? Keep it cheap. Keep it cheap. Okay. Words to live by. Mike? Uh, just one thing. The uh, the image behind me, uh, some folks were talking about it in the chat room, and uh, it was kind of misleading with that 12AU7 tube. Um, and it's used, I guess, uh, mostly for audio work, but, uh, this happens to be a Heath kit, oh. uh, AU7, uh, vacuum two voltmeter. Wow. That is misleading. I never would have guessed that. Audio is voltage. Yeah. The only, the only kind of giveaway is that D or that C cell. Oh, well, I remember those old Panasonic batteries. Well, have a good uh, Halloween, everyone, and join uh, Professor Thomas and Dean Martin at the end of the month for the next Ham College. And around the middle of November for the next Amateur Logic. And hopefully we'll catch you on the soundcheck net. We'll hear Cliff talking on his uh, new radio. Nice. 7-3. Yep. This is Amateur Logic. Very cool prizes. You remember what happened last time you tried to do that? Well, you can give me the model number. I'm just going to say it's RG8X from MFJ. Let me just say I've got a phone call coming in over there. I thought I was the only one that had a dumb and dumber ringtone. Well, yeah. That's a guy I work with. So my phone was singing Mockingbird over there. Hopefully he doesn't watch the show. Yeah.